Thank you, John. Amen. All right, you go to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. If you listen really, really quickly tonight, uh, the few minutes that I stole from you this morning, I may give back to you tonight. So, um, uh, Brother Wayne, you got that ready? Okay, Matthew chapter 22, verse 1, it says, And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables, and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son. And he sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it, went their ways, one to his farm, and another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth and sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you bless here tonight. Lord Jesus, please again ask you to just guide my mind, my thoughts. Lord, there's a lot of things going through my mind tonight. Uh, just suddenly just thinking some things that I feel like we need to do. Lord, I pray that you just uh, right now direct my thoughts to exactly the message that you've given me and only that. Father, I pray that you just please... Uh, fill me with your presence, your power, that I'd only say what you'd have me to say. And the Holy Spirit of God, I yield myself to thee. And I ask you to wrap your arms around us as a mighty hedge of protection. For we need that protection from the evil that's all around us. Ready to, at any moment, try to tear us down and destroy us. But Father, we know that you're greater. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So, Father, we yield to thee now in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I'm going to just ask Brother Wayne if you'll play us this song for me. And it would be familiar to, to some of you. Of course, I use a lot of my girls' stuff. But this goes back a ways. You can go ahead and play it, Brother Wayne. Shadows, the little village of his birth, his family all asleep, he lies alone. Gazing up toward heaven, a little tear falls to the earth, and he wonders if his sorrows here are known. His body wrapped with pain. From his father's sharp disdain, he lifts his hand and whispers in the night. If there's a God above, please send someone in love to comfort me and show me what is right. 
His brow was creased and wrinkled, His hands were calloused hard, His hair was grey, His body stooped with age. But His eye possessed a twinkle, And His gaze shot through my heart. His voice was strong, He looked at me and said, The harvest fields are wide, And I have labored all my life. Now who will go and stand in my place? The people there must hear That Jesus Christ is near. Step forward now, the work of God This song is um, from a CD when they, it was actually dedicated to Mike and Brooke when they were first leaving for Africa, probably about 10 or 12 years ago. I guess it would be now, maybe 12 years ago. And um, it's primarily about missions, but the last part of it is what I want to emphasize. How will they hear if we don't go? How will they hear if we don't go? I am... Um, Oh, first thing before it's just been on my mind. I don't know why God brought it to my mind, but um, but I feel impressed that, that uh, I'm gonna uh, just kind of call for a prayer meeting next, not this coming Saturday. We'll all be at the couples retreat, but Saturday I think it's be the 17th. Uh, a prayer meeting, uh, like started. You know, we'd meet at eight o'clock. Maybe um, maybe have some kind of little small breakfast or something for the for the folks that are there. And I know uh, when I first got here, you know, they were, we were having something I've n- kind of 
failed to follow through with some men's prayer meetings every so often. Um, but I, I'd like anybody that can come, men and ladies. We'll probably divide up men and women that morning. Um, but uh, we're, we're going to have our spiritual warfare conference the next week, and I'd like to have a real special time of prayer uh, before we have that. And, uh, and again, it wasn't something I planned. It's just God just kind of wouldn't turn me loose on that. Uh, so I'm announcing that, and I'd love for anybody, everybody to, to come to that, and we'll work out details on it. Um, I'm going to make a prediction tonight that I, I it's not about a ball game amen a prediction that I uh, dearly hope will never come true but simple truth is regardless of what you think of our present leadership that present leadership was elected by what would be considered the conservatives and even the Christians of our country now because of that Something has been revealed that even, you know, it's always, it's been there, but it's been intensifying over the recent years. But Christianity is hated by the elite of America. It's hated by the politically powerful of America. It's hated by the rich and famous of America. It's hated by the entertainment industry. And if and when this conservative faction is removed, now I'm not saying a Christian faction or even a, a, a godly faction or a moral faction. I'm just saying the conservative faction. If, if and when that faction is removed from power, I believe, my prediction is you will see a vengeance upon Christianity like we've never seen before. I've, I, honestly, in my lifetime, I've never seen the intense spewing of anger and hatred, the threatening of murder, the threatening of, of killing and destruction and things, what has been said that should happen to people simply because they don't believe like they do. I'm afraid... It, not afraid, but I, but I, I predict it'll be very similar to what Scripture says in Revelation. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you having, a gr having great wrath because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. I believe that we're going to see that great wrath start to begin. And I don't know when that's going to happen. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm saying if that present leadership is removed, if that the leadership, and I don't mean an individual, but I'm just saying a, 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 a direction of, of some sort of conservatism that, that seems to, uh, maybe even just for political reason, but seems to defend Christianity for whatever reason. I believe maybe God is just doing it. But when that happens and that's lifted away, I believe there's going to be a wrath against the church. And I believe the verbal threats of today against Christianity, and you hear them all the time, and I started to, to just start to reiterate them, but there's no need. It just, but there's a lot of verbal threats that are going on from the rich and powerful, from the, the famous, from anybody. And it's amazing to me how, how athletes and movie stars think they really have the answer to anything.
But the verbal threats against Christianity and those that support conservatism, I believe, will become physical realities in the days to come. So what must we do? Well, we can, we can write letters, we can write emails, we can fight, we can get angry, we can debate position, we can argue who is the most wicked on this side or that, but I don't think that's the answer. We could do like the one church sign said. It said, Jesus is coming, delete your browser history. Y'all don't understand that one, do you? But it won't do us any good. Now, what we got to do is we got to understand that we have a moment, we have a short time so that we can be the tools of God so that people can here while they can. Our right to go soul winning may vanish. My right to preach the word of God may be taken away. I believe for, for 20 plus years that there'll come a day, and I believed in my lifetime. I'm not sure, sure that I'm, I'm, that's changing, uh, but I believe it's very possible in my lifetime that, that I may be arrested for the things that I, that I preach that they'll take the recordings and they'll dissect those recordings and they'll somehow cut and splice and, and if they have to or they'll just take something that I read out of the scripture that says very directly what is right and what is wrong. And, and when they do that, they will, they will persecute and prosecute me. But until that hour, I believe we need to reach the people. We've got to reach everybody we can. Amen? We got to reach everybody. We must spread the gospel, win the lost, heal the brokenhearted, feed the hungry. While in Nazareth, Jesus read Isaiah 61 to describe his ministry and purpose. And we find that in Luke chapter 4, verses 17 through 19, it says, There was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now when Jesus came and read that and preached that, he was in Nazareth and it was ruled by Romans. And between the Romans and the Jews who were in power in everything that he did, every step that he took, uh, the people did, uh, the preaching like this would not be accepted. But listen to me, Jesus did it anyway. We today have a biblical man, command, Matthew chapter 29, verse 9 says, Go ye therefore into the highways, as many as you shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. God says, he described it in our, in our text, he said, you know, I, he sent them out to a place that rejected them, that turned on them, and even attacked them. And he said, you know, watch this, God said, I'll take Take care of that. You just go after the guests. 
Matthew 28, 18 and 20 says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. And listen, lock on to that one right there. Because before he gives us our command, what we're supposed to do until the day he comes back, we have in here, the first statement is that Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always. And how long will he be with us? Even unto the end of the world. Amen. He said, I'm with you. And watch this. You know why he wanted to make sure he knew we were, he was with us? Because he just told us, you're going in my power and I will be with you all the way. So understand me clearly, regardless of who is in power or what laws might be passed and enforced, we are still commanded to go ye therefore. But listen to me, but we are not left powerless. Because Jesus said, all power is given unto me in heaven and the earth, and the power of Christ is available to each of us as a child of God. So regardless of the law, regardless of the reception of the world, Jesus has the power to protect us, enable us, and empower us. Listen, I, I don't care how strong anybody look, And look, you know, I, I am a, a scanner of the news. My wife knows that. She, she's a, a divulger of the news. I mean, she, she just consumes it. And she'll say to me, why won't you, what are you reading? Why don't you show it to me? Let me read it. Because I don't want her to. Because she'll eat too much of it. Okay? She will. And I just, and I always say, no. What are you looking at? None of your business. Why? And she'll say, why don't you want me to see? Baby, it's okay. I'm not looking at anything you don't, you know. Uh, look, I just don't want you to, to chew on too much of this because it'll tear you up. And when you start talking about it, it'll tear me up. Okay? She said, well, you look at it. Yeah, I just scan it. I just scan it because if I look at too much of it, Bless God, it'll just depress me. It'll discourage me because, look, there's a whole lot of evil in this world. Just, there's no good and holy leadership that doesn't seem to be in this world. But he's with us. God's with us from the beginning to the end of the world. Matthew 19 and 20 again. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. That is so encouraging. He says, no matter what you're facing, I'm with you. Folks, you all understand that? God's with us tonight. He's with us no matter where we go, what we do. He is with us. And he's not just present with us. He comes with power. All power. Do you understand what that means? So listen to me. It's not a matter of ability. It's a matter of taking the advantage of, of opportunity. You see, please get this. Uh, we, we think, you know, man, what hope do we have in this wicked world? It's not our ability. It's our opportunity through Jesus Christ. 
The world has turned and will continue to turn against Jesus. But we must reach the world while we have the greatest opportunity. Now, look, we're going to be able to reach people no matter what happens because we have all power that's available to us through Jesus Christ. And he is with us. And if we will obey him and we will go into the world, well, I'm just tell you, uh, we will still reach people. But watch this. It would be, be a lot better while America has freedom to meet, to preach, to teach, that we go out and try to reach and teach. We've got to reach the world while we have the greatest opportunity. Satan, listen to this, Satan cannot shut the door, but I'd rather reach who we can while the door is wide open rather than trying to force through a crack. You understand that? I know we face, we all face a nation that is self-sufficient and so willing to reject what we have to say, but we must say it anyway. You know, it, we, we really are. We're a nation that's so self-sufficient, and it just feels like they, they don't need God. That, honestly, that's why the, the wealthier communities that you go into, the less receptive they're going to be. It's just, it's just that's the way it's going to be. I mean, the, they, you go into them, and, and you get to the point, and, and you go in, well, forgive me, but, you know, all the, 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 the wealth seems, you know, going to, to Carryville in Germany, it used to be Germantown, now to Carryville, all the wealth is going out there. I, I'm going to just tell you, I know that you, you go beat on those doors, and you can win somebody because God always can lead you to the right door, but I'm going to just tell you, you're going to beat on a lot of doors before somebody's going to let you in. But we have a great example given to us clearly from the book of Ezekiel. If you want to look at it, you can, but Ezekiel chapter 3. Ezekiel chapter 3, verse verse 4. Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 4. He said unto me, Son of man, go get thee unto the house of Israel and speak with my words unto them now notice that he didn't he didn't say speak your words he says speak my words unto them for thou art not sent to a people of a strange speech and of a hard language but to the house of israel like he's saying look i'm not sending you overseas i'm not sending you to the mission field i'm sending you to your people that's us we're right here in America, and he's saying, I'm not sending you someplace where they can understand you, or you can understand them. I'm sending you to your people. He says, not to many people of a strange speech and of an hard language whose words thou canst not understand. Surely had I sent thee to them, they would have hearkened unto thee. And Josh and Joe just came back from a land where they couldn't understand them. They neither could each understand each other, but yet they were receptive to the gospel. And that's what it's saying. Uh, you know, there's people around this world that are receptive to the truth. But he said, you know, the people of Israel are not. You know why? They were self-sufficient like Americans. He says, surely had I sent you unto them that they would have hearkened unto thee, but the house of Israel will not hearken unto thee, for they will not hearken unto me. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. Behold, I have made thy face strong against their faces. Listen to that now. And thy forehead strong against their foreheads. You know, folks, we need to get strong. Amen? 
We need to get just a little bit. What he's talking about, he's, talking, he's saying we need to get a little bit of good hard-headedness. Just willing to fight for Christ. Willing to get the door slammed in your face and go to the next door. Amen? That's what he's saying. Now, he says, as an adamant harder than flint have I made thy forehead. That sounds like my daddy talking to me. Son, he, he said, I could take a hammer and knock you in the head that wouldn't bother you. Fear them not, neither be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house. Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, all my words that I shall speak unto thee, receive in thine heart, and hear with thine ears. Now look, God's saying, listen, I'm going to get you, I need you to go out and tell them. He said, but the first, before you go out and tell them, and that's what I've been trying to preach here recently. He said, before you go out and tell them, listen yourself. Get it yourself. Verse 11, and go get thee to them of the captivity unto the children of thy people and speak unto them and tell them, thus saith the Lord God. This is not my opinion. This is not my belief. You know, they say this is what the Baptists believe. And I'll say to me, this is not what Baptists believe. This is what the word of God says. And watch what he says. Thus telling them, thus saith the Lord, the Lord God, and watch this, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear. He said, just tell them. You know what, folks? I've said this for years and years. You can't make anybody receive the gospel, but you can sure tell them. You can give them the gospel. And that's what, what the Lord says. He says to Ezekiel, listen, you just go tell them. He said, you tell them whether they hear you and receive it or whether they forbear you. He said, and watch this, and, and he's warning them that a lot of them are going to forbear. A lot of them are going to reject you. And he said, you know what I need you to do? Set your, like Jesus did, set your face like a flint. Be hard-headed about it. Determine that you're going to keep going. And folks, as things, I don't know which direction it's going to go. We may, we may have a, a revival in America, and I keep praying for it. And I believe, I, I, I'm thrilled that we have, uh, you know, there's been some things signed to give me a little bit more freedom to even preach the truth from this pulpit. Do you understand that there's some things that I, could, I, I couldn't even say who, who I thought was a godly person to even vote for? Because if I did, then we'd have our tax-exempt status taken away from us. But you know, some things have been said that allow me a little bit more freedom in that. But listen, forgive me, but I'm going to speak the truth regardless of a tax-exempt status. We've got to reach them while we can, while we have the greatest opportunity, whether they hear or whether they forbear. Jesus said four times in the book of Revelations, I come quickly. The final time was Revelation twenty-two twenty. He says, he which testifieth these things saith, surely I come quickly, amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. Jesus said I, four times in Revelation, he said, I come quickly. I come quickly. I come quickly. And can I tell you, I believe he's coming quickly. Now here's my challenge tonight. I told you it'd be pretty pretty fast all on this altar up here just it's not that many of them I and mean, i can get more if we would to need it but up on the altar there's some tracks 
And I want you to understand, if you've got a stack of our tracks at home, I want you to do this regardless, if you will. But I'd like, I would love for everybody in this room that would sincerely do it, for you to even get one track. One or two or three or five or ten, I don't care. But when you pick it up, you pick it up with a commitment to give it to somebody. To give it to somebody this week. To hand it to somebody. And just say, when you have time, read it. And if you, if you would, if you would consider it, our address and our church is on there. Come see us. But on the back tells you how you can know for sure you're going to heaven. It's that simple. Charles Haddon Spurgeon woke once January Sunday in 1850 with a deep sense of his need for deliverance. Because of a snowstorm, the 15-year-old's path to church was diverted down a side street. For shelter, he ducked into the primitive Methodist chapel on Art Artillery Street. An unknown substitute lay preacher stepped into the pulpit. If you read the true history about it, he was only there because nobody else was there to preach. So he took it upon himself to step behind the pulpit. He turned to Isaiah 45, 22, which said, Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. Spurgeon records his own reaction. He says he had not much to say, thank God, for that compelled him to keep on repeating his text. You see, this man didn't have anything. He wasn't scheduled to preach. He stood up and he just simply kept repeating that text. And there was nothing needed by me at any rate except his text. Then stopping, he pointed to where I was sitting under the gallery and said, that young man there looks very miserable. And he shouted, as I think only, a, he says, Virgin says, as only a primitive Methodist can, look, look, young man, look now. Then I had this vision, not a vision in my, to my eyes, but to my heart. I saw what, what a Savior Jesus Christ was. Now I can never tell you how it was, but, not, but I no sooner saw whom I, I was to believe than I also understood what it was to believe, and I did believe in one moment. And as the snow fell on my road home, from the little house of prayer, I thought every snowflake talked with me and told of the pardon I had found, for I was as white as the driven snow. You see, one man gave a verse to one man, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. You know, yesterday... Joe Beth and I went out, and, you know, as we prepared for the meeting, I went and got a big stack of tracks, and I got a big, uh, you know, I got all kinds of, fly, you know, got all kinds of things. And, and so as we divided up, we went, and I assumed Joe Beth got a stack of tracks, and she assumed I got a stack of tracks, and we got out there. And what we had was 
neither one of us had picked up any off the table and and I had the, the seven or eight that were in my shirt pocket and, and she had the, probably the seven or eight that were in her purse and, and uh, so we said, okay, let's, let's go. And so we started knocking on doors and we had some wonderful visits and, and we were down to our last track. And it was my wife, she said, she said, Rob, rather than go into another door, why don't we just drive around till we find kids? And we'll use this last track to maybe if a family that with children, and so maybe we can get some bus riders. And so we just got in the truck, we started driving around, and we probably wasn't, it wasn't a minute and a half, we saw a man and, and two, two little children walking a dog. And, and so I, I did what any, you know, red-blooded American male would do. I, I pulled up and let my wife out of the truck <laughs> so she could go talk to him. And I sat in the nice, comfortable truck with the heat running. And she, she got out there, and, and uh, she walked over to him, talked to him for a few minutes, and she jumped back in the truck. She said, they're coming tomorrow. And this morning, a man, vision impaired, rode our buses with his two children to church. We just had one track left. One track left. So my question tonight is, and I'm done, would you give one away? Just one. And I know you may think, you know, you maybe you live way away or you're, you know, work way away, but, I, but I, I, I'll be honest with you, I never dreamed that when we drove over to Millington Naval Base and spent a couple of nights there teaching on the home that anybody from that base would consider driving all the way from Millington to here. But one couple did. You know, we talk ourselves out of it too much. We rationalize and we think, well, there's no way well, there's no way, yeah, humanly speaking, but there is a God way. And God does some things that we just would never have dreamed of. So that's my challenge tonight. Would you give one away? Would you just give one? Now, if you give two or three, that's great, but I don't want you to pick up one of these unless you're saying as you pick it up, you find a place to kneel or go back to your seat and say, Lord, help me. Not just to pitch it out the window as quickly as I can to whoever might be walking by. But to pray, Lord, let me cross the path. The Spirit of God, prick my heart. Let me know I need to do this. where I believe God would have us to start. Whether they accept it or reject it, it's just one. Father, I ask you to bless here tonight.